Hey everybody, this is Neil from Get Your Comic On and welcome to our very, very first ever podcast. So today we are going to be talking about the first season of DC Universe slash Netflix's Titans. We're going to take each episode one by one and just break it down a little bit, talk about what we think about it, and then we would love to hear from you as to your thoughts on the episodes. But it's not just me that is here today. We have taken uh, our office paperboy and promoted him to co-anchor. So would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, uh, my name is Martin. I am, yes, the office paperboy, allegedly. And I shall be joining... I meant T-boy. That didn't come out very well. Yeah. Office T-boy. T-boy is probably better um, in this digital age. And I shall be joining you in this journey through the Titans universe. Just to remind you all, this is our very, very first podcast, so in the words of Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns... Be gentle, it's my first time. We'll start, as all good seasons do, with the very first episode, so here is the pilot of Titans. Can you help me? Madness, madness. Where's Batman? Something evil inside of me. You're scared. I get it. But you can control it. So the first episode of Titans is just called Titans, as you would, for a pilot. The synopsis for the episode is Dick Grayson has found a new home in Detroit when a girl named Rachel is brought to him with serious problems. A young woman named Coriander's wakes up with no memory of who she is. Back when this episode first... I want to say aired, but that's not quite right because it was on DC Universe. When it was first released... I gave this episode an 8 out of 10. The review verdict that I gave was that I thought Titans suffered from some of the usual pilot cliches but remained a thoroughly engaging and entertaining first look into the world of its characters. Whilst a fairly self-contained story, it had enough intrigue to make this the kind of show that you'll immediately be craving the next episode of. My standout moments from this episode, number one has to go to the Robin fight scene in the alleyway, of course, the infamous fuck Batman line, but we'll touch on that one again in a minute I think. I also enjoyed the first introduction to Corey when she wakes up after the car accident. I thought it was interesting to see her with no memory, particularly for me that's not as familiar with the character from the comics as I am from the cartoons. And of course the Beast Boy scene at the end when he is in tiger form and stealing from the electronics store getting his computer games. What were your standout moments in the Titans pilot? So I think for me, just coming at this from purely a casual fan slash reader of the comic books, not owner of a fancy website and knows all the good big critiquing words, it was a bit of a, it did suffer from that first pilotism. However, it could have been the worst pilot in the world and I wouldn't have cared because I love these characters so much. <laughs> I was just so excited to see it. And that is that, very true. Yeah, and that first moment of Robin and Alloway scene just sort of gave me the massive geekgasm. And it just got better from there on out. I loved Coriander being introduced as some sort of alien disco queen. Uh, and yeah, I just thought it was a really good episode. But I'm probably heavily biased. <laughs> so this being the pilot episode, I think there's quite a few things that we probably need to talk about just to try and set the tone of Titans as a series. One of which is uh, the kind of overall look and aesthetic of the show, which is something I've seen lots of people talk about on social media. Lots of people, maybe not overly enamoured with the dark tones of the show. So if you think about 
that opening scene with Robin in the alleyway when he drops on the car. He's not bright red and green. His tones are quite muted, so you don't really get that. And I don't want to say cartoony or comic booky, but he's not the bright red Robin of Burt Ward and Adam West in the 60s. Was that something that bothered you, or do you quite like that it's dark and fits in with maybe even the Batman vs Superman tone of the DC Universe? So, I know this has always been a bit of an issue for the internet as a whole, where DC's too dark and it's not light enough, but I quite like it dark, I quite like the stories to be a bit grittier, and I thought it was a good representation, because if it's going to be more of a a real-to-life adaption then he's not going to sort of jump out the shadows bright yellow and green no true that's he's not exactly going to jump out and do the titans go as much as i'd love him to do that he probably (laughs) won't do that it's probably not going to cause fear into the hearts of the underworld if he jumps out a little red and yellow pixie (laughs) okay fair enough um but then i suppose that's not that's not to say that there aren't loads of colors in there because when cory decides to you know completely blast the man in the club in the back room. She's pretty bright and colourful at that point. CGI-wise, I wouldn't say there's a huge amount in this episode. I wasn't a particular fan of the smoke bomb in the alleyway scene. That looked a little bit fake, I thought. It was almost like they'd filmed it without smoke and added it in later, and I just thought it looked a little bit artificial. But then Corey looks absolutely amazing in that club scene. I, I completely believed that she was on fire and had green eyes. I would agree. I thought it was, it was nothing jumps to mind it distracted me to say oh god that was awful CGI I thought it was all very well done but then Raven looks great as well yeah so towards the end of the episode when she's tied up and then shoots out of herself and jumps down that guy's throat and basically chokes him to death that looks particularly cool and actually I thought that was a threat for her all the way through that her CGI was pretty good any other high points just everything to do with Dick Grayson and Robin, really. Um, as a massive fan of the character, this is our first on-scene adaption since the days of Burt Ward and Chris O'Donnell. I think it was very well done. Burt Ward and Chris O'Donnell is quite a big difference between the two of them. There's a, there's a few decades in between the two. I know, and it was a good decade to go to kind of jump to where we are now. What about Bruce Wayne? Does it bother you that you don't get to see him very much? No, it's not his story though, is it? It's the, it's the Dick Grayson story, it's the story of the Titans, they're in a dark place and they need each other to come together, so he's not really important at this moment. And do you think that if you did see him straight away that it would completely put a light on him and take it off them, and then it wouldn't be their show, it would be a Batman show that also happened to have the Titans in it, even if it was still called Titans? Yeah, I mean, he's such a big character and he's not really ever been seen like a live-action serial programme for a long time now, so it would take you know, the focus away from the Titans and straight on to, oh my god, it's Batman. Yeah. But we'll come on to more of that when we get to the finale, of course. Spoiler alert for anybody that's not seen the finale. How do you feel about the fact that we only see Beast Boy in a little stinger scene at the end? Because I know he is one of your favourites. Yeah, it was a bit... So I remember watching it for the first time thinking, why is this just finished? It feels like an incomplete story. But at the same time, we got a lot of information from seeing Raven's backstory, introducing Dick, introducing Corey. You know, there's only, what, 45 minutes of an episode. So realistically, as much as it was annoying not to see more of them, it's understandable because it's it's not a TV movie. Yeah, that's true. I guess the only other thing for me... And it makes more sense when you see more of the season than understand what they're trying to do is that we don't actually see more than Dick and Rachel together in this episode. Like, this isn't a pilot that brings together the Titans. This is a 
pilot which introduces us to the characters who will become the Titans. Yeah, well, I mean, they're not the Titans yet anyway, so they need to sort of come together and and find themselves in each other, really. So this was a good sort of starting point to set them up individually, and then we spend the rest of the series bringing them together. What about the music? Do you, Can you actually recall the score? No, but I can recall all of the actual music, just because I thought it was very iconic. Okay. <laughs> clearly a fan of the popular soundtrack because the score is by Clint Mansell who did Requiem for a Dream which makes me think it really it should stand out but actually when I really try and think about it all I can really recall is the theme tune yeah I would agree but then I think is there a, it doesn't is there a lot of score or is it quite a lot of long silency let's build drama I think it's more dramatic with bits of score well, you've seen it more times than I have you've seen the pilot about four times now yeah that's really bad because I can't remember now actually which is not a good sign for the man who made the score, really. So, Titans pilot episode, obviously 8 out of 10 for me. Thumbs up or thumbs down from you? Oh, thumbs up. All the thumbs up. On to episode 2, which is called Hawk and Dove. We're going to go see some old friends of mine, figure out what to do next. Hey. Hi, Rachel. Dove. Activated. She's more dangerous than she looks. We can use his help. He won't help us. He only wants yourself for himself. Sometimes when I feel the darkness come out, it feels good. You'll learn from this point onwards that Titans did not like to give away very much information in its synopses. So this one reads, A new threat is after Rachel as she and Dick arrive at the home of Hank Hall and Dawn Granger, where a complicated history resurfaces. I gave this episode an 8 out of 10, and my overall summing up of my review was... Hawk and Dove is an excellent second episode. It furthers the overall plot of the series while doing some serious world building with an introduction of Hawk and Dove. A suitably emotional cliffhanger ending was more than enough to get me hyped for the next episode. Highlight for me in this episode is easily the relationship between Hank and Dawn. Even though we've never met these two before, and I think, as far as I know, this is the first time that Alan Richson and Minka Kelly have worked together, they've got ridiculously good chemistry on screen. The whole episode, it just didn't matter what else happened, those two were just insanely good together on screen. There was a lot of action around the two of them, a lot of swearing, but some quite good humour as well. A couple of good fight scenes, which even included uh, Robin as well. We got a little bit of further story with Rachel and then uh, the nuclear family, who we did see briefly back in the pilot, I think, but really come to the fore in this episode. And that ending, that ending was just utterly ridiculous. That it was that just needed to be binge-watched into the next episode at that point. So it was a shame we weren't watching it on Netflix and could jump straight back in. Your thoughts on this one? Hawk and Dove. Yeah, I really liked this one, so I really loved the, the, the sort of the relationship between Hawk and Dove as well. I agree, I th- the chemistry between them was was excellent. I mean, it felt like they'd been together forever, you know, there was a really rich story and background there that I was really pleased that we could revisit that later on. Sorry, spoilers. Um, I loved the little hints as well. We are hoping that people who are listening oh, to yes, this have watched the whole thing, so you don't need to see spoilers, don't worry. Just in case. Um, I loved it, the fact there was little hints towards the past, so we, you know that past relationship between yes, between Robin and Don, yes, and then the picture frame where there was the three of them with Donna, Donna Troy, Troy in the background. I really liked that. That made me really excited. 
Um, and again, that fight scene with Robin at the end when he was doing uh, the whole dropping down from the ceiling, kind of give you flashbacks to doing those creeper modes when you're playing Arkham Asylum, where he was just dropping from everywhere, yes. really destroying the place. I really like, really like that. I forgot about the opening scene as well. That's the one where Hawk takes the is it scissors, scalpel, and stabs the guy. Oh no, is it Robin that does it? It's Robin stabs the guy in the groin with the scalpel. Yeah, so that was at the end. So the so the man had the pair of scissors and he was saying, and then Robin just sort of used the scissors in a very personal way. Yeah. <laughs> but it was it was it's weird. Because this is something that you'll find what we'll talk about quite a lot as we go through this season. But Titans likes to go off on weird side episodes. And this maybe isn't the best example of it because Rachel is still present. But I do find that there are times when it will go off and it will focus on a different character at the detriment of the main story. But I still don't care at the same time because they are great episodes. Um, I'm just looking back at my review now. Um, and, what, and I said, what this episode actually did was begin to blow the world of Titans wide open, which it did by bringing in some extra characters. Now, I don't know much about them. Have they come up in Titans comics that you've read? So the last, so I've not read sort of classic, classic Titans comics, but when I read through um, sort of Titans Hunt and the, the Rebirth Titans series, they were actually dead. Spoilers. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so they weren't actually in it, but they did come back. I can remember vaguely that they did actually come back for one issue. Um, but ultimately, they went back to the original time of them being deceased. Oh, um, and that's the Hank and Dawn version, not the Hank and his brother. Yeah, Hank and Dawn version. Yeah, not Hank and his brother. Oh, yeah. okay. So it doesn't bode well in this <laughs> universe. No, it does not. It certainly does not. Now is as good a time as any to talk about the violence of Titans, because I know there are quite a few people out there that think this show is maybe a little bit too violent at times. And I realise we've already spoken about the uh, scissors in the groin incident in this episode. But admittedly, I'm only used to the Titans from the cartoons and Teen Titans Go and Go to the Movies, whereas you are obviously, as we keep saying, more used to Titans of the comic books. As someone who has a bit more of an understanding of what the origins of these characters are like in the comics, too violent for you, not violent enough... I think it for me. I think it's okay because we're if you look at it, we're coming at these characters. They're in you know they're in a very dark place, all of them individually. So it kind of fits the theme that they probably will be a bit more violent than we're used to seeing them because when we see them in things like Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go, Young Justice, you know they're well established. They're a team. Well, I forgot Young Justice. They're together. Whereas we're coming at them from this point of view, you know, Dick's just left Batman, he doesn't really know himself anymore, he reluctantly puts on the Robin costume, he's not happy about it, but he still does it. You know, there's always this narrative where he, he doesn't like the darkness inside, and that kind of fits quite nicely with Rachel, who doesn't understand the darkness inside her. And then we've got Corey, who doesn't understand anything because she's got no memory. Not in this episode though, right? Not in this episode, no. But it's kind of, it all fits that narrative of, we don't know who we are, we're all a bit lost, it's all just a bit nitty gritty and dark. What about, actually, on the point that Corey's not in this episode, how do you feel about the fact that they're not all in every episode? Well, they're not there. We're not there yet, are we? Because they're all, their storylines haven't converged into one yet. They're all start, at different starting points, and as we're kind of developing through this, we're slowly bringing them together. I'm guessing it doesn't bother you at all that Robin is the focal point of the series at this point? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel like you should have been Nightwing? quickly or are you happy that this is a long game so the fan inside of me wants them to be nightwing instantly 
but I understand that you know it makes more sense to eke it out a bit because he's still trying to figure out what kind of hero he needs to be now. Yeah, he can't be Robin anymore. He needs to be something else, and that can't happen instantly. No, that's true. I mean, this isn't a cartoon, so it does need to develop naturally in some respect. I think for me, the takeaway from this episode was that I wanted to see a lot more of Hawk and Dove. Obviously, there is a cliffhanger in this episode that does leave Dawn's future a little bit on the dicey side. I did wonder whether Rachel was going to suddenly learn that she could heal people, which actually she does do a couple of episodes down the line, but she doesn't at this point. Did you think it was going to become a bit cliche and we'd pick straight back up and although Dawn was almost dead, that she, literally she would be alive again and all would be fine thanks to Rachel. Well, I thought she was, that was it for Dawn, just because based on the knowledge that I had from reading yeah. Rebirth and Titans, it, she was already dead anyway, so I thought, oh, that's a shame, she's not had one episode. I think we hadn't had enough of the show yet for me to start trusting it, that it wouldn't do things that normal network TV would do, which is randomly fix things or bring people back from the dead. It took a while to realise that this wasn't going to follow the usual tropes. Hook and Dove... I'm going to say it again, 8 out of 10 for me. Thumbs up or thumbs down from you? Again, all of the thumbs up. On to Titan's third episode. This one is called Origins. The synopsis is that Rachel is rescued by Corey, who then takes her to a special sanctuary. While hunting them down, Dick thinks back to the day when Bruce Wayne first adopted him. What the hell do they want with Rachel? I will find them. This being is unique. She is formidable. There's something inside of me. I don't really understand that. How long have you been looking for Rachel? I think she's part of a prophecy. Any last words? So I actually only gave this episode a 6 out of 10. My verdict was that Origins brings the pace down a touch for the series. Whilst there's still action in this episode, it seeks to further the characters as a whole... Narratively, it's solid, albeit slower episode. Trying to think what standout moments were for me in this one. Obviously, the fight scene in the diner. Um, this has become such a funny moment. Um, I know you don't watch DC Daily, but it's something that they've been joking about on that show with this particular episode, in that Corey and Rachel go into the diner, make an order immediately get into the fight with the guy and as soon as the fight is over they get given their food and leave and it's now a running joke that actually they just grabbed anyone's food in the hope to get them out i realize it doesn't sound half as funny as when i tell it go watch sam levine tell that one on dc daily and you will find that a very funny moment in the uh, titans history this i think is joint lowest scored episode for me I, none of my scores dropped below a six but i just find this episode really forgetful I can, I can just about remember the fact that they go to the, the sanctuary where the nuns were, which is where Rachel had grown up, and then obviously they drug her and put her away in a room. I think the only other highlight for me is when Corey finds her storage locker and we get to see the Tamaranian language for the first time, and suddenly we see the raven for the first time and they decide that there's some kind of prophecy behind Rachel. Although actually, when you think about the series as a whole, that didn't really come to much in the end, which might be because they dropped the 12th episode, uh, I don't know, we can only surmise what we'll see in Season 2. Over to you, what did you think of this episode, Origins? So I don't know, I mean, it's not my favourite episode of the series. I think it's good because it starts to put things in a bit more context, so we get to find out a bit more of the locker with Corey. You know, she has been sent here with a mission, but it's in Tamaririn, we don't know that yet. Um, and we get to see a bit more about the backstory of how he became Robin... 
I quite liked um, I think my favourite part of this episode was the scene in the bowling alley where Raven finally gets oh, to meet Oh, is Gunner. this the bowling alley episode? Okay, yeah. so you do get to see Rachel and uh, Gar. Gar together for the first time and then you get to see the four of them together briefly but they very cleverly did not show them all um, which I realise makes no sense because I just said you see them all and you don't see them all there is a shot where all four of them are in the same room, but it's over the shoulders of Dick and Corey, so you don't actually see all four of them together. Sorry, I'm treading on you telling us what you thought of the episode. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, what, what was I saying? Yeah, so I thought, you know, that I think that was my standout moment from that episode, just because the two of them together being sort of awkward teenagers. Uh, yeah, so that was my, my pick-out moment, really. And then the bit going to the, uh, the, with the sisters and the convent, locking her away and are sort of embracing our darkness and then sort of destroying the convent because you know nobody likes to be locked away by none this is the episode that ends with her running into the woods isn't it yeah okay ah which leads into obviously to the next episode which is doom patrol which we'll come on to in a minute there's a lot of flashbacks in this episode as well to the story of dick grayson isn't there so we get to see more of not seeing bruce but we see more of wayne manor this is also the episode, am I right in thinking, when uh, Dick speaks to Alfred Pennyworth on the phone? No, that was that was um, Hawk and Dove, actually. So when Ooh, he asked for... My bad. Oh, God, we're terrible. Yeah, so we get to see him whip out his phone and phone <laughs> um, Alfred to ask him for some money so that he can leave Rachel with Hank and Dawn. Yes, and sorry. can sort of... I'm just stressing again, I've only watched most of these episodes once, whereas you've seen it twice. Run off to be wherever he wants to be, really. And then, isn't that when we get to see his phone, where we get to see, like, a... You see Donna Troy on the phone. You see Donna Troy on the phone. Um, I don't think we've seen anybody else on the phone, do we? Mm, No, I can remember. But clearly you can tell that this episode three Origins was not that exciting for us, as we've gone back to talking about... episode two. Dove and Hawk. Um... I'm trying to remember more of the flashbacks. I know I can always recall that young Dick Grayson looks like Jeff Johns, which I did point out on Twitter, but Jeff did not come back to me on that one. Oh, but Jeff. <laughs> he does. He looks like Jeff Johns. If you agree with me, let me know. So I suppose in this, in this episode as well, we get to see some links back to Tony Zuko and find out that his parents were actually murdered. And that's when Bruce leaves on the note to say, I can teach you how to deal with your, your pain, really. Yes, as glimpsed in the trailers. So that was a standout moment for me as well. But again, you can probably guess that I'm a massive fan of Robin, so the fact that his story's been so prominently in the last couple of episodes is probably why I'm so excited. I'm genuinely trying to think if there's anything else about this one, and I really don't think that there is. Um, one of the nuns was really familiar. Let me IMDB that. Keep people talking for a minute. I'm checking the nun. She just had a very familiar nun face, really. I mean, that's... You know... She's probably a bit actress that you've seen in everything. Her name is Megan Fay. Yes, she has been in Powerless, another DC program uh, for one episode. Two episodes of Dr. Ken, which I don't, I've don't, i never watched. Uh, Bones, yes, she was a judge in an episode of Bones. She is also in uh, Entourage, Mad Men. She was in four episodes of Agent Carter. She's been on both the Marvel and DC side. She well, was in Agent Carter. I don't know if we can Carter. talk about this, really. I mean, we're kind of crossing John's side. Oh, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, she's also in The Big Bang Theory. She's also... Yeah, she's been in absolutely everything. So she's just one of those faces. Anyway, that's enough about a random nun. Um, There'll be none of that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible jokes. 
So thumbs up or thumbs down on Titans Episode 3 Origins. I'm going to go thumbs up again just because of the Robin backstory. I think that saved it for me. Okay, well, it was a 6 out of 10 for me. On to Episode 4, which is called Doom Patrol. This was the backdoor pilot for the Doom Patrol series, which starts, I think, on Valentine's Day on DC Universe. The synopsis for this one is Dick and Corey try to track down Rachel while Gar takes her to the house of the Doom Patrol for safety. Where's Rachel? There's no stopping it now. She's getting more powerful. She's still a kid, alone and scared and on the run. If you don't unbury whatever it is that's going on, you're going to explode. Dick, stop! You got problems. I can't remove whatever's inside you. This is for your own good. Rachel, you don't want to see what I really am. So this was another 6 out of 10 episode for me. My verdict on this one was that it's easily Titan's lightest episode. Whilst it does interrupt some of the ongoing narrative of the season, it also introduces a charming set of characters. It also features just the right amount of intrigue to avoid becoming a complete slog to watch. So Doom Patrol is an interesting episode for me. There are some standouts which would be meeting the Doom Patrol themselves because they're all quite interesting characters. I enjoyed Negative Man as well as Robot Man. They've all got their own little bits of intrigue and it'll be interesting to see how this becomes a series of its own when it starts in February. Um, it was also interesting to see a little bit more development for Rachel. So we've got another big moment for her this week where she tries to escape at the end of the episode. There's a big CGI moment for her and we get to see some flashes of what might come when maybe her dad gets involved in the storyline. Bit of interdimensional portal action going on. But again, other than that for me, this was maybe not one of the most memorable episodes. Yeah, I would agree. So I think, so the first time I watched it, I was, I really didn't like it, but thinking back, I was actually on a plane and I couldn't really hear it and I'm not a very good flyer anyway, so it probably had a lot to do with the fact that I probably wasn't really paying any attention, but the second time I watched it, again, it wasn't my favourite, but I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, so again, my standout moments would be Negative Man in the kitchen scene. Yes. Well shot. <laughs> I really liked that. Um, introduction of the Chief. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he really helping these people? He or will be he... recast when Doom Patrol starts. Oh, really? he's going to be Timothy Dalton. Oh, that's interesting. Um... So yeah, and then the scene at the end with Rachel, you know, standing in front of that portal, is she going to pull her dad through, powers are developing, she's kind of learning more about who she is and how she can use her abilities. It was nice to see more of Beast Boy in this episode. Yeah, so that was a good backstory to him, so we got to see his origins when he was in... Yes, this opens with the flashback to how he became Beast Boy. I was kind of hoping he'd be green by the end of this episode. Well, he's got green hair. Yeah, Yeah, but... The wasn't there a thing where they said he was going to become more green as his powers developed? Because, you know, he can only transform into a tiger at the minute. So. That's true. I think they did say that he would be more green. I bet he would have been green by the end of episode 12 had it not been cancelled. So, the episode, not the series, obviously. God. Yeah, so overall, not, not a great episode, but not a bad episode with some little gems in there as well for me. And are you looking forward to Doom Patrol the series? I was a bit iffy, but then when I heard about the introduction of Cyborg, very, yes. very excited now. His costume also looks very cool. If you've not seen the Doom Patrol teaser trailer, it is on the website. I'll also post a link to it at the bottom of this so that you can check it out if you haven't already. It starts, I think, on February the 14th and will run for it's either 12 or 13 episodes, so a little bit longer than Titans did. 
really nothing else to say about this one. It'd be interesting seeing Doom Patrol, how it runs and how it kind of compares to Titans. Will it be just as dark? Will they try to widen the world a bit? Will they bring in some more guest spots like we've done with the Hank and Doves of the world? Will we get a Titans crossover? Who knows? Will Cyborg stay with the Doom Patrol or will they come over to the Titans? That's true because this is quite... Am I right in thinking that, again, from your knowledge of reading Titans comics, that this is quite new 52 Titans rather than say, Classic Titans or Rebirth Titans. Is this of an era where Cyborg is a Titan, or is this when he's in the Justice League? So, I mean, I suppose, so. I mean, I've never really seen Cyborg as a Titan. I've seen Cyborg as the head of Young Justice. Okay. Back in the Jeff John days. Yeah. And I suppose we're more used to seeing Cyborg in either the, the Justice League or in Teen Titans cartoons, so Teen Titans Go. Yeah, so that's, that's why I presume that he's a Titan for most of the time, because obviously he's in the cartoons. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where his character takes him. Really, I'm not. I've not. I don't know a lot about the Doom Patrol, so I'm not sure if he can. No, I've never read any Doom Patrol comics whatsoever. So if (laughs) if we're wildly off piece as to where this might go, then that's because neither of us have ever read any. I would be interested to know what the format of the series will be because they seem pretty much stuck in that house in this episode. No one leaves that house apart from Gar, so presumably they're going to have to. Otherwise, the whole thing is going to be just set in the house, hoping that. Someone knocks at the door. Like a, like a DC Big Brother sort of thing. <laughs> no, please no. Yeah. More like a DC Adams family. Yeah, yeah. But no, it'd be interesting to see where they take it, especially now that they've recast the Chief as well. That's really interesting. So for me, Doom Patrol was a 6 out of 10. Thumbs up or thumbs down for you? Thumbs up, I think. Thumbs up, definitely. It's becoming a theme here. Yeah. I don't feel like you're going to thumbs down a single episode of this show. Well, you never know. I may keep it for a bit later on. Okay, so on to episode 5, which is called Together. The synopsis for this one is, In order to prepare themselves for the nuclear family's attack, Dick decides to put Corey, Gar and Rachel through special training. You're hiding something. I'm going to find out what it is. I'm interested in a subject with complete bio-refit and cognitive reprogramming. When we accelerate the process, the subjects show a higher mortality rate. How long till he's fully cooked? All your friends are going to die. We're being hunted by sociopaths. They make violence look like an art form. We can't fight like that unless we train. So the verdict in my review for Together, which you can read on the website if you would rather read it rather than listen to us natter on about the show, was that Together is the true beginning of the Titans. Each of the members is finally starting to fall into their role, and the plot, at least surrounding the leads, is continuing to come on leaps and bounds. Highlight moment in this episode, easily the scene in the barn, I guess it was a barn, where you get to see each of the Titans practicing their powers. So you see Corey blow a hole in the wall, pretty much. Um, You get to see Gar transform into the tiger once again, and then we get the funny scene where they realise that when he transforms back, he's always going to be naked. And you get to see Rachel trying to control that inner darkness again. And then obviously the joke that Dick has no powers. Once they've all tested out their powers, you realise that actually none of them know that he's Robin. You don't get to see that till later in the episode with the nuclear family attack that he that he puts on the costume. None of them actually know who he is, they just think he's some friendly neighbourhood guy called Dick. So this is the first time that we get to see all four of the Titans fight together. You get the scene in the car park of the motel with the nuclear family when all of them power up and Dick puts the costume on. You get the moment when they realise that he's Robin. You get to see Rachel in control of her powers for the first time. Gar gets involved as the tiger again. 
it's probably the standout highlight moment of the series up to this point, other than that Robin scene in the pilot. Um, you also get the uh, little intimate scene between Corey and Dick in the motel. You get to see Pino Grigio Sally, which is another DC Daily shout out for anybody that's watched that. What else do we get in this one? I think you're missing the most important bit of the whole episode at the very, very, very end. When what the, am I forgetting? When the other Robin appears. Ah, yes. To see you also get to see Jason Todd for the first time. So this episode, I think, definitely really moved the plot of the series on, which goes back to what I was saying about Hank and Dawn when those episodes go off on a tangent and cut it through the whole thing. I just think that Titans didn't quite know how to... how to execute its overall story. I don't know if you get that sense from watching it at all. It just bothers me when you think about older shows like like Buffy or some of the really, really classic ones that did really well. They had their episodes of the week, but then they had their overall arc that was going on at the same time. So again, I'm going back to Buffy, but when you think about like series five, you have episodes like Buffy versus Dracula, but then you met Glory really early on and she was constant right throughout the series. So in this one, you've got the whole idea that Rachel's dad is looming, but we don't see him. And then in those episodes like Hank and Dawn, instead of um, still having moments of that overall story, it's so wildly focused on that random side story that it does interrupt everything else. And as much as it bothers me, I never gave one of them a bad review because they were just good episodes. Yeah, no, I would agree. So you do miss that sort of... Because I suppose up until this point, they're not together. So the, the theme for the series isn't really there. We're still trying to develop that cohesive storyline. Um, and I would agree, you know, it's not great, but it doesn't bother me because there's still amazing standalone episodes. Maybe it's not the best idea to review this when you're an absolute fanboy at the same time. You also get to see the end of the nuclear family, or is it the end of the nuclear family in this episode? Well, probably not, because they can just be reprogrammed, really, can't they? <laughs> we'll just get a new nuclear family. True. Again, it's another character set oh, of characters. Right. Well, it's another set of characters I never really came across in the comics, apart from the uh, nuclear spectacular for Christmas, when yeah. they featured in that war in the one story, which was with Cyborg. Yeah, so that's the only time I read about them, and then they were all they were all signed. They were like robots, weren't they? Nuclear-powered robots. They were really creepy in this, anyway. Um, I know we didn't talk about it, but in episode two or three, when they murder Dick's partner, who's barely been in the in the whole series, that was creepy as hell. And it was nice to see them actually get to properly throw down with the Titans in this episode. One thing which I think we haven't talked about yet, which is episode, well, this series, sorry, does really well, is uh, fight choreography. Yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah. When you compare it to shows like Arrow, which does have amazing fight choreography, I think this is still even better. I don't think the other DC shows do it as well. When you think about Flash or Supergirl or even Legends of Tomorrow, I don't think they do fights quite as well as this show does. I suppose this show's got a bit more of a license to take it to that next step, so there's a lot more blood. License to kill, yeah. quite, literally. quite literally. An F-bomb. An F-bomb, and then you get the gore, you get the blood, it gets, it's a bit more grittier than, say, Flash which is probably a bit more family-friendly. Yeah, true. This is definitely not family-friendly. And I think that's a benefit of it being on a streaming service, particularly one that's owned by DC, because not only are they producing their own content from the people that know it the best, but at the same time, they have much more freedom to do things you can't do on network TV. I do think 
it's a shame that they didn't drop it all in one go like it is on Netflix because I think had it have been on Netflix and been on DC Universe the way that it is on Netflix we'd have probably watched the whole thing in about a day yes I mean the stories if you look at if you watch them individually with week between each gap it is a it probably is difficult to follow it but if you binge it and to be on like one super long TV movie I, I think it works really well now. okay um Anything else that you want to say about this episode in particular? You get to see Robin in costume. So you can see Robin in costume, which <laughs> is very exciting, especially when he comes and sort of saves the day from the nuclear family. So we've got that scene where they're all individually, they've tried their superpowers and it hasn't really worked, and in comes the gas bombs and he decimates the nuclear family. But then that scene at the end where they're all in the cars as the Titans. Yes. It would have been really exciting if he shouted, Titans go. I know he probably wouldn't have done that, but it was so very exciting to see them all together ready for action and of course the very last scene in the episode so Dick goes off and leaves the others in the motel and goes to find the leader of the nuclear family whose name escapes me right now um, and he gets one-upped and before you know it a smoke bomb drops in but a much more high-tech smoke bomb if you noticed it was it yeah so if you look at Dick Grayson's smoke bombs has like a canister but Jason Todd's with a little sort of smoke pellets and that's alluded to more when you go into episode six, and the sort of it's like almost like a like oh I'm a new Robin I've got better toys through the old style. I never noticed that because I'm quite sad. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so final thoughts on together eight out of ten from me. At this point, we're fairly sure that you'll give it a thumbs up because you've given every episode a thumbs up so far, but... I'm going to give this two thumbs up. Oh! Purely because we get to see them all together and they're starting to become the Titans. Very exciting. (laughs) Two thumbs up from you. Wait, you're Robin too? I thought you were Robin. I am. He was. How many Robins are there? They were sent to the Gotham PD address to Robin. I know these people. Whoever sent them thinks you're still Robin. It's good to finally talk to you, Dick Grayson. It's not possible. Because you're dead. All those years Bruce was helping me... I want my parents back! He was turning me into a weapon. His weapon. But you can't unlearn what he teaches. On to episode six, and I'm slightly scared to even start this one because I feel like someone's going to fangirl right out across the table for me right now. But episode six is called Jason Todd. The synopsis for this episode is Dick and the new Robin, Jason Todd, team up to track down the man who is killing off Dick's old circus friends. I'm going to start with my review. (laughs) You just cool your jets for a minute. So I gave this episode a nine out of ten. So actually this is my highest score for the entire first season of Titans. My review verdict was... Jason Todd is a huge piece of fan service, an excellent self-contained story within the arc of the season. It really fleshes out the character of Dick Grayson and the world of Gotham and Batman as a whole. It really helps to centre the series in the DC universe without sacrificing the overall quality of the storytelling. Now I know I did just say that these side episodes completely throw the series off and distract it from the main narrative, but being somebody who grew up reading Batman, it's just flipping awesome to see two Robins in live action on screen together at the same time. So standout moments are the entire runtime of this episode. We've got some amazing flashbacks that go back to Haley's Circus. We get to see mini Dick Grayson, i.e. Jeff Johns again. You get to see two Robins in costume together. And you get Tony Zuko. You get absolutely everything from the Robin origin. 
my only thing with this episode, in hindsight, is it did something that Birds of Prey used to do. I realise that that's probably not something that many people would put in the same league, Titans, Birds of Prey. But instead of giving us the villainous character themselves, they gave us a child of. So something that Birds of Prey used to do because they didn't have the license to use them was quite often use the cousin of or the child of. So we saw Clayface in Birds of Prey, but it wasn't one of the Clayfaces from the comics, it was the son of. It was always just that, you can't quite use them, you can use the next best thing. Okay, contain your excitement. Tell us what you thought of this episode. Um, it was alright. <laughs> he says this, viewers, but the smile on his face says otherwise. Get a little bit more on that one. So I am a bit, so I do, I am a massive fan of the Robin genre. Um, I'd probably say that maybe I'm drawn more towards the Jason Todd Robin of the era. You did, after watching this episode, say to me, I've got to tell you something. I don't think Dick Grayson's my favourite Robin anymore. I think it's Jason Todd. Yeah, I think it might be. Um, yeah, I realise that I've probably read the entirety of everything published about Jason Todd in comic form. Maybe not from his Robin days, but everything from death onwards. You did always say that Under the Red Hood's your favourite animated Batman movie too. Yeah, and I suppose if you ever look it back and if you if you ever were to find my Instagram, you'd notice my one attempt at cosplay was the Red Hood as well. Um, and Boy Wonder 89. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so I, I was really excited for this episode and I think his portrayal of Jason Todd is fantastic because he is really cocky and part of me didn't want to like him, but I still liked him anyway because it was amazing. We've not really spoken about the cast of this series yet, and I was going to say that when we get to the end of these episodes we'll talk a little bit more about it in general, but Curran Walters does do a really good job of playing Jason Todd. I think he pretty much gets that whole cocky little shit thing down quite well, and as much as I really don't like him and I want to grab him by the scruff of the neck and give him a good slap, he's still a very entertaining character to watch. No offence, Karen Walters, you were doing a good job. You were, yeah, very good. Um, I, I really loved the scene in the lift. Uh, yes. So when they were talking about the Batmobile. Yep. I, I thought it was excellent. And then towards, you know, we've got the comedy elements of it. When he got into the flat, it's like, I'm having a beer because I'm a rebel. But then you got to see the darker elements of Jason Todd as well. So at the end, when he was laying into the cops and that last in the warehouse scene. That was scene. a brutal scene at the end. I didn't... So again, I've read Death of the Family... And I've then obviously seen Under the Red Hood, and I've seen a few bits and pieces of Jason Todd, but I don't know his whole story inside out, and I didn't I didn't appreciate that he could be that violent as a character. Yeah, so I think, I mean, that kind of fits in really nicely, actually, with his character. He is a very, you know... And you've got to think about this is well before his sort of... You know, this, yeah, this is before the, the crowbar incident. So this is when he was probably at his wildest, basically, and uncontrolled. But you can totally understand from this version of the character, if this is honest to how he was in the comic books, why he was so disliked and why it ended up in that situation that TC did the phone-in poll to decide whether he should live or die. Ironically, though, uh, DC Universe just did a poll, the, the exact same thing, should Jason Todd live or die, based on what people think of him now, and actually, totally the other way, people now love him and wanted him to survive. But had he not been so dislikable in the first place, he would never exist. We would never have the Red Hood. We would never, you know, have Red Hood in the Outlaw comic books, and we wouldn't have the character in the show as we have him now. Yeah. I think it needed to happen, really, and I'm glad it did. <laughs> and what it did was really, you... Yeah. So sorry, no, go. No, it's just exciting to then have the introduction of Jason Todd and Corey as well. 
if you think of right who's in the outlaws, that's you know they're the team basically. Oh, you're missing is Arsenal, and you've got the outlaws on screen. Mm-hmm. So Arsenal could turn up. But we're still very early days, aren't we? Because you know, they've only just. He's not. He's not died yet. He's not met the crowbar. <laughs> no, and also at this point in the show, they've not established the Joker. So you could, in theory, say that perhaps something different could happen. Um, that is until you get to the finale of Titans, of course. Little spoiler for what's coming up in about ten minutes, listeners. Um, what did you think about this whole thing with Nick Zuko slash Melting Man? Yeah, I mean. We got Tony in there anyway, yeah. so I was quite happy with that. Again, it was a sort of, we're kind of trailing away from the main storyline, although we kept kind of going back to the flat and having Dr. Abrams tied up in the bathroom. And there was elements, Adamson, sorry, Dr. Adamson. And there was elements of the, the overarching story there. So it would have been nice to have kind of had a little dip into the Halley's Hell Circus world and the Tony Zuko world, but, you know, I still loved it, so... I'm right in thinking that Tony Zuko didn't die at Robin. Well, I suppose it wasn't Robin's hands, it was somebody else firing on him. But in the comic books, that's another one that just gets locked away and doesn't break the ethos of do not kill. So if you look, um, so I've only realised because I've just finished reading The Long Halloween, yep. and that features Tony Zuko quite heavily in that. Yeah. So if you look at the second part to that, which is. Dark Victory. Dark Victory. Um, Tony Zuko actually dies of a heart attack. Oh. Because Robin is, so Robin as in Dick Grayson starts to lay into him and he sort of, the stress of that causes him to have a heart attack and by the time they actually get help it's too late. Ouch. That's really bad. Uh, Does that then... Which I suppose it sort of fits in with the scene where he lays into him and he gets shot. And he gets shot. So he could have helped him, but he didn't. Yeah. And do you feel like Dick has hit rock bottom yet? Have we seen in Titans the point where he realises that he needs to line up? Maybe not the right turn of phrase, but that he needs to not be quite so violent yet. I think having the contrast of Jason Todd lets him see that, yes, he is really dark, but he's not that dark. He still has a line. Whereas Jason just sort of lays into the cops and he has no... He has no line, basically. He sees yeah. it as funny he can do that. Whereas Dex sort of... Yes, he probably, he's probably a bit more violent, but he's violent towards the bad guys. Not yeah. to everybody. <laughs> Did it not seem odd to you that Dick doesn't go after him? I mean, this episode ends with Jason leaving, having beaten up the cops. And in the next episode, we're on to the next story. I kind of feel like Dick Grayson should have gone after him and given him a good slap and said, Oi, what are you playing at, mate? Well, he, he kind of he tried a little bit. Because they had that bit of to-do at the end of the warehouse scene, but that was sort of the end of it, really. Um, It's kind of left to, you know, it's Batman's problem. And I I don't speak to Batman anymore because we've fallen out. I've got my own issues. True, but that Bruce Wayne pad in Detroit, or wherever they are at this point, is a nice little pad. The safe house. The safe house. So, an easy 9 out of 10 for me. Jason Todd. Excellent episode. I forgive the fact that it broke the narrative again because we got to see a huge piece of the Batman mythos and that is my bread and butter. That's what I grew up reading and that's what I absolutely love. You gave the last episode two thumbs up. How many do you give this episode? I'm going to give my two thumbs up and I'm going to use your two thumbs as well to make it four thumbs. (laughs) Because I don't have any more thumbs I can give it. (laughs) Okay, four thumbs up it is for Martin for Jason Todd. 
We spent so long talking about the first six episodes of Titans that we figured we'd better split this podcast in two. Join us next time when we'll be talking about episodes 7 through 11 of Titans Season 1. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time, super friends.